It is Friday, July 20th, 2018. I just woke up, so cut me a little bit of slack. And you are tuned into Season 2, Episode 29 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hami and Media. On this week's show, it's pro wrestling from around the globe. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. But I am joined, as always, alongside my tag team partner, my alarm clock when I don't wake up on time, RBV. Rick, thanks for waking me up, buddy. It's me, it's me. It's that R of a B to the V. Rick Vickery here, once again, in the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Jargo, you kind of let me down here today because usually I'm the one that's late to the party. Yeah, man. I'm the one. I'm the one slow behind, but hey, man, you had a lot going on. You're sleeping in. You are stuck there in the studio, the, you know, that hot, stankin' studio. I mean, we got to get on big, right? We got to get you some better air conditioning, some better accommodations there. But I thought I'd take the show on the road, as you can see here. I don't know if we got video recording here today, but man, I am sitting out on beautiful, the beautiful Huron River, right at the basin of Lake Erie. I am here at Harbor House Bar and Grill. You can see behind me here, the stage is set up. Uh, we've got a great event going on here tonight. I am, I am hyped for that. But brother, I'm ready to hype it. I'm in. So hyped to jump into this show uh, and talk a little this week in pro wrestling. Well, Rick's got a busy night, so we might as well just go ahead and jump into things. He's got a big event coming up. Of course, the WWE has a couple of big events coming up. We're talking about NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. We're also talking about SummerSlam. Of course, we also have the G1 Climax going on. We've got notes on everything, but I guess, Rick... I had planned on leading off this show fighting with you about Randy Orton, but Randy Orton is going to have to wait because a different bastard has taken all of the news. Now, I am going to give you all a warning. We are going to talk a little bit of NXT here. If you don't want to know, fast forward now, probably about 10 minutes into the show, and then you can hear us talk about Raw and SmackDown. But Rick, I have to talk to you about NXT. So here is your spoiler warning. Shut off this podcast now if you do not want to know. Well, it's not like we're actually being the jerks here and jumping a gun and getting the news out there because WWE themselves has already gone out and spoiled this this outcome. I got to tell you, when I saw this news break, brother, I was very, very disappointed that it was just thrown out there. I was watching NXT last night. I get done watching NXT and I pick up my phone and I have a message from Rick and it says NXT. Wow. And I was like, yeah, dude, it was a really good episode. And you were like, no, look at the spoilers. And of course, by that time I had checked the rest of my notifications and I had about a half a dozen messages from people and my Twitter feed was blowing up. Tommaso Ciampa is the NXT champion. WTF. What are we doing? Tommaso Ciampa is now walking around with the NXT Championship. He is going to be defending that thing in Brooklyn. We now know all of the matches for Brooklyn. But Tommaso Ciampa is the NXT Champion. This match is going to take place next week on NXT TV. And I don't even feel bad talking about it because, like you said, WWE stooged it off from their own freaking Twitter account. Why would they do that? 
I, I understand why, because you know it is going to leak. But why would you? Why would you make the decision? Why would you pull the trigger on this thing at, at this moment, this time? to me, there's so many other angles you could go at it here instead of just exposing something like this, or is it some, or is this one of those cases, you know, like when we know AJ took the, took the championship, the WWE championship while they were in the UK, is this an attempt to try to get people to sign up for the network? I mean, is this, is this a publicity stunt? I think this backfires because I think actually what this does is instead of getting more people to sign up for the network to tune in and watch this episode, I think you have more people that are just like, oh, well, I guess I don't need to watch next week's episode. That seems to be the, the theme and the narrative that I'm seeing running around here. Well, I, I kind of agree with you. You know, we I, you have to be there every week because over at One Wrestling Video, you are the man that handles. This is NXT. Uh, you're there each and every week. I'm sure this had to make your job just as hard this because people want to talk, uh, talk about the hot advancements, what's going on next week. You're just trying to fill in the blanks right now. Uh, you know, and how much excitement can you even go to the next week's show about this? I mean, I, I know you're going to put a great spin on it uh, and gear it up towards the, you know, going forward, but how much excitement is there around this thing? I, I threw this question at you last, last night. I said, you know, why? And you are very, I want to point out, thanks for being a smart ass when I asked you this last night. See, you know, if, if, it's, if you're going to do something like this, if it's that big of a deal, couldn't we get like an hour long live show on a network? And of course, you come to me. Yeah, they're called takeovers. <laughs> well, you said, could we? Well, couldn't couldn't they just let NXT go live like three or four times a year? And it was like, uh, Rick, they they do. It's called takeover. <laughs> I, I think you know what I meant. <laughs> you know, just an hour special. If you want to do something like this and really get people invested, you know, this would be like this is like your Saturday night main event. And you have something like this happen here. I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the change, we, we kind of saw it coming. I don't know how excited I am for it now that we're, we're going to get the triple threat. Yes, we are going to get the triple threat. It will be a triple threat in Brooklyn. It will be Tommaso Ciampa defending his newly won NXT championship against the former champion, Alistair Black. And as we predicted, Johnny Gargano. The, the only way to, to add any legitimacy to Aleister Black's title reign was to involve him in the Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano feud. But that's not what we did. We, we took the title off of Aleister Black to involve him in the Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano feud. Rick, I, I think it's safe to say at this point, I said it on This Is NXT last night, is this the worst title reign of every NXT champion? This is the most worthless title reign ever. It is. It's been a huge disservice to Alistair back. Uh, I just, like we were talking about last week, though. Even if when we were speculating this be a triple threat, Black becomes a secondary tail here. And now that he doesn't even have the championship, does it does it make it even? Is it more interesting that he's trying to chase here, or is he is it even further distance from really what's important? And once again, now this is about where it was against. Where it was about Ciampa and Gargano. Now it's about them and the championship, and Black just happens to be there. Kind of where I'm at with it, too. Uh, I We have the, the rest of the matches for TakeOver Brooklyn are now announced. One of which, I guess, we, we, we can go ahead and talk about. And then I'll ask you if you want to talk about the other ones. Um, and, and that would be the NXT Women's Championship. That was established last night on NXT TV. Kyrie Sane defeating Candice LeRae as well as Nikki Cross. We will be getting a rematch of Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. This, of course was the finals of the May Young Classic. These two women are now one and one. Baszler did get a win back over Kyrie on NXT TV a couple of months ago. 
Rick, what do you think? Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. Does that do anything for you in Brooklyn? Here, here's how much I actually care about you know Sane getting this opportunity. I much would have been. I think I've been much more interested with Candice. Here's how much I care about it. While you were running down it, I was looking over at my beautiful bartender here, Jamie. Uh, drink here, but I'll bring it back. Bring it back to the question. Was it a year ago we saw this match, correct? Yep. This was the final yep, of the May Young Classic. Yep, that was the final of the Young Classic. Almost, almost a year to guess, the day. I guess it's kind of cool that we're going to see that come full circle. I just don't think that they've really done anything with seen since then, where I believe that she is is a viable opponent, or I'm really going to get invested in this thing. Uh, once again, you know, and, and I would say looking at this card, there's some ups and downs, but you know, NXT has proven themselves that they deliver time and time again. Uh, so obviously, I'm looking excited going into this thing, uh, but this is one of those matches that I mean, where do you think this falls? Like the number two match, and and once again becomes more of a because where it's where it happens to fall between hot matches it would be another letdown for the NXT Women's Division. I don't know, man. I, I I think of all the matches that they could put out for the Women's Championship, I'm with you. I would have went with Candice LeRae because I felt like there was a story of Candice capturing the NXT Women's Championship before Johnny could capture the Men's Championship. Well, you know, when I, I really look at, too, you know, there, there's a little bit of excitement you had like a month or so ago where you had Rusev going for money in the bank, Lana for going. I mean, there's that possibility that you could have them, and this would even be a better, I mean, this they would be like the true kings and queens of you know what nxt represents you know what's what its relationship with independent wrestling if you could have the gargano sitting atop your kingdom as champions i mean just that tease would have had fans in a frenzy of course we will talk about Shayna baszler a little bit later on do, do you think it's time for baszler to lose this championship i mean i i i I'm ready for Baszler to come up to the main roster. I have something for her to do. In fact, I was talking with Jersey Mike last night, and I laid out like six months worth of freaking creative, all of which is contingent upon Shayna Baszler getting called up to the main roster. What do you think? Is now the time? Do you want to see Kyrie Sane take this title and call Shayna up? I don't think Sane is the champion that this division needs. That's my fear as well. I, I, I don't. I don't think she makes a transition there again. There's already. It's. It's too early. Uh, so many comparisons will be made for Asuka if they're just going in that same direction again. I think what you, if you were going to have her drop this title, it should have been to Candice. Uh, right, I do agree with you. I'm ready for her to come up. I'd love to see her work double duty until Survivor Series. And then you explain how she loses that championship at TakeOver Survivor Series because she's, she's stretching herself in too many directions. She's too preoccupied with what's going on on, you know, red or blue, wherever she ends up that someone catches her at NXT. This is a topic for another day, but I did see, Hey Rick, guess what? Our biggest fear is coming true. It's November. And you know what that means? It's time for war games. That's, that's a whole nother show, but yeah, there'll be plenty of time for us to complain about that. Uh, let's, let's run down a couple of these other matches quick, because I don't think there's any real surprises here. Adam Cole is going to be taking on Ricochet for the North American Championship. They, they started laying the groundwork for that last night. They've been laying the groundwork for that, as we obviously know that Ricochet has an issue with the Undisputed Era. Very much in favor of that matchup for their uh, mid-card title. 
Uh, Mustache Mountain will be coming after the Undisputed Era to try to reclaim the NXT Tag Team Championships. That match was a little disappointing. I was kind of hoping that we were going to go in a different direction there, maybe go with the war, the artist formerly known as War Machine. Um, and then the other match, and I assume your opening match of TakeOver Brooklyn, will be EC3 versus the Velveteen Dream. Rick, have you had a chance to see the Velveteen Dream video package from NXT last night? I, I, I have not. I have not got to see, as you know, I usually binge watches. I, I tried following up as much as I could because I know we had it on the run today to get caught up and just kind of get like an overall generalization of what's going forward. But this feud does interest me. Uh, these two are, are, are polar opposites of one another. And to try to change the dynamic, you know, where both of them should be like the top heels in the company and now they're facing off with one another. A uh, very interesting dynamic. I am afraid they are actually treating EC3 as a baby face. Because last night on NXT TV, it seems as though EC3 is also starting a program with the finest, Kona Reeves. And EC3 was clearly positioned as the babyface. Obviously, Velveteen Dream, he's he's a tweener at best. And it seems as though the one percenter is kind of in that same category. I, I look forward to the match, but Rick, you got to see this video package. Because this was one of the most flamboyant, over-the-top cheesy, amazing video packages that you are ever going to see. A uh, uh, tip of the hat to Jeremy Borash, because this thing is hilariously terrible. Fantastic. It, it works for Velveteen Dream. I don't think it would work for anybody else in the freaking company. Really good stuff. Uh, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's get out of spoiler territory so we can bring people back into the show. And uh, let's... Uh, do we have to do yeah okay let's 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 shift to monday night raw i guess rick i guess the first question regarding monday night raw jersey mike stooged it off to me last night will you be in attendance next week for monday night raw you, you know tuesday night over on one wrestling video of course i'm up there we try to be there with each other each and every week uh we we love going live get all the interaction big ray and myself over on smack talk one wrestling video smack talk 10 30 p.m eastern live that was one of the big questions i threw out there man i it looks like it's stacking up to be a nice show. You know, it's, there's some things that, that kind of perk your interest and it just so happens it is in my hometown of cincinnati ohio i am at that time, I was sitting there seriously contemplating on making the drive back home. Uh, it's, as you know, I have access to some great seats. I got some box seats down there. Thanks to my good friends at Chandler's Burger Bistro and Gary Brock. He always takes care of me there. But I, you know what, man? I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm not going to give in. I am not going to buy into this thing. I told Jersey, I said, I think the only way I would go to Monday Night Raw, the following would have to happen. Number one, I would have to have my tickets comped. Um, number two, you would have to have a really good card. And number three, it would have to be a national holiday so I could take the day off and still get paid. That's the only way I would actually go to a live Monday Night Raw at this point. I am just, I'm so unhappy with Monday Night Raw and I have no need to go watch a bunch of video packages on a screen and deal with all those goddamn people and only be able to drink fucking Bud Light. Uh, we No, we have better options there. It's just it. You know, hey, I got a box that I have access to down there. But still, when even when I get the box and I get the free tickets and the parking pass on that, you're still handing me a bill for $200. Yep. 
immediately because, you know, I get a handful of tickets. I invite some people up. You know, sometimes I, I like last time I had it, I invited our good friend at the gorillaposition.com, Michael Melkor, up. Uh, immediately come in. You know, I got to buy food for everyone on that. I mean, just the pizza itself is like $50 alone. Then you got to buy a bucket of beer for everybody. So, I mean, it's a $200 bill. The live experience, if you, if everyone here has heard me on you know on this show, in the locker room, anywhere I've been on, I have not the live experience. They do nothing to make this exciting for the fans. You know, it's like, hey, I was a 40-year-old man. I don't have to be over that other side. They do nothing for the kids, everyone that's coming in. It's a travesty of how they have – that they just think – they just roll out their brand and you should appreciate it. They do yeah. nothing there. But I, you know what? I, well, I am intrigued you know, by the two matches already announced. But let's be honest here. They're going to be complete disappointments. We're not going to get any big payoff here. And what I'm really going to have to go down there and see the only, I guess, the, and I could just do this by going to Cincinnati and hanging out outside at the bars and just getting the feedback from individuals leaving is how disappointed they're going to be when Roman Reigns goes over in this match or it's, or it's just thrown out and we get a lame ass triple threat set up. It's going to be a complete disappointment. I don't know if it's worth the four hour drive of obviously you see where I'm at here leaving beautiful northern ohio sitting here right on the lake to go to cincinnati ohio for complete trash from wwe yeah and, and to be clear i'm not i'm not actually shitting on wwe here it's just i have no desire to go to one of their tv tapings because i've got better things to do for four or five hours of my life than put up with monday night raw well, hey, their television and live events i am shitting on it they're they're a joke they should be embarrassed how they present themselves here i would go to a pay-per-view I, I would go to a house show, but going to a TV taping? Nope. I all depending on the pay per view. Hey, last one I went to was Hell of a Cell up in Detroit. Uh, absolute joke. I mean, there's no reason to be there. It's a straight stipulation gimmick pay per view. You know, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Like if you enjoy going to these things, uh, you're a straight mark. <laughs> uh, you, you're you're what they want. People just line up in our feeders for absolute bullshit when they could be presenting you something special and unique. Uh, And there's a reason that their ticket sales for live events are down across the board for television, pay-per-views, house shows, things like that. It's because they are not bringing it to life. They're not giving you anything unique. They don't make you feel special. There's nothing about going there. I mean, hell, they could take up just a lesson. Go to any single-A baseball stadium. They know how to make you feel welcome. WWE does nothing like that. I love single-A baseball. It's one of my favorite things on the face of the planet. So let's talk about uh, this week in uh, WWE. Let's start with Monday Night Raw, and then we're going to take a break in the middle. We'll come back and talk about SmackDown, which I actually did enjoy SmackDown this week. Uh, let's, but, but let's start with Monday Night Raw, which, of course, stands for... I said Monday Night Raw stands for... Roman always wins. Uh, so let's start with uh, Roman versus Lashley. Official for next week, it's going to be a number one contenders match. Uh, this week, we had Roman defeating Finn Balor. Big surprise there. And Drew McIntyre. We had Bobby Lashley defeating Elias and Seth Rollins. Rick, the matches were what they were. I mean, they were WWE TV feature matches i didn't think that they were necessarily god awful but the creative is god awful why did we just do roman reigns versus bobby lashley at extreme rules if we're seriously going to just turn around and do it again with a number one contender stipulation like bobby lashley already freaking beat roman reigns why are we doing this well i i saw lashley i saw lashley kind of make this argument already beat him am i getting too loud around here oh you're all right Okay, You're on location. People are just going to have to suck it up and deal with it. It's a free show. Right, right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's, let's 
hey, what did I tell you guys Monday in the locker room? That match that that match that took place there was just a work to get the sparks thinking. Hey, we're gonna give Lashley. Oh, Lashley got over. He's gonna get a push here. I told you guys to expect this match. I thought it was gonna happen Monday night, but we're gonna get it next Monday. And you know it's gonna happen. Roman's gonna go over here. Uh, it is. And I saw Bobby Lashley took to Twitter. He was kind of asking. He was kind of asking Kurt Angle. You know. He, you know he's asking Kurt Angle why. Why do I have to do this? Why have to suggest? But here's the reason why. Because the stakes are higher. Roman is going to have more on the line here. He's going to come more focused, more geared. That's what they're going to use as an explanation to get the, to get this win here. My bigger issue here with this thing is when Roman Reigns won this, essentially the opening match of Raw, it completely sucked the life out of this show. Yeah, absolutely. And there was also roughly 550,000 people who tuned out between the first and third hour because it absolutely sucked the life out of the show. And here's the other problem, all right? Let's take a look at these six guys who are in competition here for the number one contendership. Roman Reigns was a loser at Extreme Rules. Finn Balor has won four matches in 2018. Drew McIntyre has been back on the main roster for, what, maybe two months playing second fiddle to uh, Dolph Ziggler. It's not like he has any big singles wins here. We have Bobby Lashley, who defeated Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules. I absolutely understand why he is out there. Obviously, he feels he should be the number one contender. Then you have Elias who wasn't even on the Extreme Rules show, to the best of my knowledge, and Seth Rollins, who was also a loser, thanks to Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. So you literally have five losers and Bobby Lashley. Those are your potential number one contenders here for Brock Lesnar. You you could see the arguments where everyone came out, because remember... Maybe, maybe they kind of do it. Let's give credit. Maybe they thought because they canceled that multi-man match that was supposed to be at Extreme Rules, and those and those individuals were supposed to be qualified or in that thing. So then now they're making a statement. Hey, you know, where was my opportunity? Where is it? Yeah, I, I I understand your logic, but the problem is their booking says otherwise. Well, I understand it was it's a world of fifty fifty, you know. But it does make sense. And I will give him a little bit of credit. At least Roman didn't come out and say, I want Lesnar. I should have been the champ. He wasn't, it wasn't the same old song and dance. He actually just come out and said, you know what? I just want to fight. You know, and that's the other thing that really kind of pissed me off. All right. So you've got all these guys who are coming out here and saying, well, I want to match with Brock Lesnar. And Kurt Angle's like, okay, well then this is what we're going to do. And then Roman Reigns comes out and he says, I, I, I don't care about Brock Lesnar guys. Look, I, look at me. I did the job for Bobby Lashley last night. I'm not out here trying to become the number one contender. Please cheer me. Please cheer me. I even did the job clean. Please cheer me. It's such bullshit, man. It's the mental manipulation behind the Roman Reigns experiment just drives me absolutely insane. Well, you know, it's like a coin flip. They can't go in a direction with anything. They're just... They're just hoping that some week something sticks with him, and it's actually just kind of backfiring on the entire roster how they treat everyone else. Here's something that might stick with Roman Reigns. Turn him heel! It's not that freaking hard. I, I, at this point, I don't even think that works. Anymore. No, I don't, even think, I don't even think that would do it because we would know you are turning him heel just to get us to cheer Roman Reigns. I, I think somehow the only thing that works with him, 
maybe remotely is if you could find some way to send him on an excursion. Yeah, but at least if you turn Roman Reigns heel, he's going to get the response that he's already getting. He'll get the appropriate response. Speaking of uh, guys who are absolute douchebags, let's talk about Dolph Ziggler a little bit. So we get uh, Bobby Roode. Hey, who's a- I like Dolph. <laughs> You would. Uh, we, 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 Ziggler comes out, cuts his little promo, and he is interrupted by douchey Bobby Roode. Um, I still don't understand why Bobby Roode is supposed to be a babyface. The guy has zero redeeming qualities as a babyface. But he comes out, and he gets in Dolph Ziggler's face, and he demands a match with Dolph Ziggler. And Ziggler hesitantly gives him the match, although non-title. Rick, I think this was about two things. Number one, we're moving into a... Bobby Roode versus Mojo Rowley program, which I can't wait to talk to you about. And number two, we are re-educating the WWE audience because we have been educated to know that if you have a champion in a non-title match, that champion is getting pinned. This week, they have went out of their way to re-educate the WWE universe. I I was going to say how immediately when he gave it, you get a match, but it's not for the championship. And your mind went to, all right, Rude's winning this thing. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, you know, once again, hey, at least they layered something on. This was about something different going somewhere else, uh, albeit lesser for the case for a talent like Bobby Rude. Uh, but, say, Ziggler picks up picks up a win on someone that the fans are popping for still somewhat. Why? So it, <laughs> I don't know why fans are still chopping. You know, and because question, they love the old glorious. I was going to say, are they popping for Bobby Roode or are they popping for the gimmick? You know, we go, you know, going back to when Ziggler was just like using other people's entrances because he was trying to like rub it in people's faces. I think it would be kind of entertaining if while he's IC champ and beats people, he steals their entrances. I like it. I can get down with that. You know, just to really prove that the idiots will just pop for anything and it's but in the process, though, you know what he does that? Like, if he took the glorious entrance for two weeks, it completely exposes that Bobby Roode really has no use, you know, on this roster. He's kind of like Ty Dillinger. The gimmick is over. Unfortunately, the talent is not. Hey, I'm glad you said it because I am looking forward to talking about Ty later. Uh, I guess I'll save it, but I loved his fire. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about Ty, too, because he is one of those guys that we magically forgot was on SmackDown Live when we were talking about the babyface depth chart. Uh, Let's talk about Mojo Rowley. Uh, Mojo Rowley, given the slow clap to Bobby Roode, it seems as though we're going to get a a Mojo versus Bobby Roode program. So I'm guessing Bobby Roode is honestly the new Dolph Ziggler because we're going to use him as feeder food for Mojo Rowley. But Rick, I was super excited because we had a Tyler Breeze sighting on Monday Night Raw. And I was like, here it comes. We're going to push Tyler. Yes, we're going to push Tyler. And then they hit Mojo's music. And I was like, God damn it. Hey, uh, he better get on that Stevie Richards fitness and lose those seven pounds because uh, he has no opportunity here on this main roster. I mean, this is going to be his fight, but it's fine, you know, because he goes out and makes people look good. That's what Tyler does. He's a great talent. And that's he's what I like. He made Mojo look freaking great. He's got a character that people are related to. You know, it's relatable to individuals. But, hey, man, they're getting behind Mojo, I, and I know you're not feeling this thing. Big Ray and I, we were talking about this, you know, Tuesday night on Smack Talk. I could get behind this Mojo thing, man. I think there's, there's markability here, but, you know, you just got to get the right direction with it. Uh, but Big Ray was kind of mentioning you got to get rid of the name Mojo. And I actually think someone brought that up in our chat. Get rid of Mojo. I mean, that's not really that feel, that flavor you want someone there. I mean, how, 
The jargon, I'm, I know you're not a big fan of this, but you're on the booking committee. I, I'm coming out, putting you in the corner. You have to do something with him. What would you do? Well, first things first, I would change everything about him. I would, I mean, legitimately everything. I would change his entrance music. I would change his entrance video. I would change his name. I would change, at least he's gotten rid of the hype thing. At least Mojo's not hype anymore. Um, I feel like Mojo is the exact opposite of a problem that we see all the time with talent getting called up from NXT. We always wish that they would push talent like they pushed them in NXT. I think Mojo Rowley was so damaged to me inside of NXT that I just, I view him as a tag wrestler at best. Well, I was thinking, I mentioned the Ray, you know, not necessarily like a JBL, like where he's a stockbroker and all that, but maybe where you do that huge, like that 180, where now he's more serious, he's, he's professional. Uh, and they, they were, we were thinking about like a new name. We looked at his at his real name. It didn't really work. But, you know, just go with MJ Rawley. Yeah, that's fine. You know, get rid of the O's in there. But, you know, have him come out where he's professional, you know. It, it, I think what you really, it, it, let's all, let's, we all know this, you know, his money, his connection to the company is, is his relationship with Gronk. Yep. Make him everything opposite of what the the professional sports world knows of Gronk, who's the big party guy with the bus and all that stuff. No, he needs to be a complete 180 on that. How did we end up talking about Mojo when I was I, I was hoping to talk about Tyler Breeze? So disappointing, uh, man. Well, flash in a pan. You know, that's, a what they, that's what they got with Mojo. I, I know I'm getting, I know I'm on location here. We're gonna get through segment one, Jargo. I will relocate to a quieter area. I know we got some music here on my ear, if that's all right. Oh, yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We're, we're actually almost done with segment one because there wasn't a whole lot worth talking about on Raw. Let's, uh, right. let's, let's go ahead and throw it over to the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues. Now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex, softer, prettier. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to say this once. We are not doing Sasha and Bailey as lesbians. They can barely book a fight, let alone try to book a lesbian angle. We cannot do this. Let, hold on, hold no, on. Before, let's just stop. Before, before we can't we do this. In, before we jump into the scene, did you catch Big Ray's promo on Smellsworth? I did. I did see Jersey that. Jersey Smellsworth. It's pretty funny. If you haven't seen that yet, head over to the Hameen Media Discussion Group on Facebook. And uh, make sure that you check that out because it is that I, I popped for that. That was pretty damn good. Yeah, you know what? Everyone's kind of jumping to that. You know, the hot lesbian action. I didn't see that at all, brother. No, I didn't yeah, I, either. I, I just, I really just saw as more confusing booking. They don't know where the hell they're going with it. They're just trying to string this thing along, you know, as far as they can for maybe like two weeks. We finally get some kind of uh, detail to a, you know, attention to detail going into SummerSlam. I just think they're completely lost right now continually be lost with this program. You know, the most disappointing part of this entire thing for me was when uh, Kurt Angle tells Bailey that basically if you two don't get it together, I'm going to have to send one of you to SmackDown. And Bailey looked like she was going to be sent to the freaking backlands of Siberia. Like they just completely bury SmackDown. And then you have Corey Graves who comes in and just, Oh, I can't imagine one of these girls not being on raw. Dude, you announced for SmackDown 2, you freaking idiot. Just the, the whole presentation was just awful. When we saw Sasha backstage packing her shit before the whole I love you line, I was I was 
super, super excited because I thought Sasha Banks is going to show up on SmackDown tomorrow. She's going to say, I went to Kurt Angle and I said, get me the hell off of Monday Night Raw. And I want to come to SmackDown Live. And finally, we could just build this program with the two of them apart because doing it with the two of them together is just awful. Here's what really got me about this thing. When we look at like the world of like professional sports, when it comes to trades, we hear about this all the time. We just had Leonard you know, demanding to be traded from the Spurs. We just had that deal go down with the Raptors. No one really saw that thing coming. <laughs> but... But when you come out and say, yeah, you're going to be traded to SmackDown, if you're SmackDown, so that means if that's a condition, don't you you give garbage in return? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm sorry that I chuckle so much, but I, I have a conver- I have this vision in my head of the conversation with uh, Kawhi Leonard and Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich calls up Kawhi and he says, all right, Kawhi, we're sending you to Toronto. And Kawhi says, Pop, I'm sorry. Please, God, don't send me to Toronto. Whatever you do, don't send me to Toronto. I can't be a baby dinosaur. Don't send me to Toronto. Damn, y'all having a country music concert up in there? Yeah, I, I said we're getting ready for one, man. I mean, as long as we get to this break, I'll go somewhere quiet, man. I'm just out on the patio right now. But, but yeah, this this entire thing, it, just a disaster. The way they're presenting and throwing this thing out is a complete joke. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. This is the Messiah of Pain, Punishment Martinez. You're listening to The Locker Room with Jargo and RDV. So let's talk about another uh, train wreck kind of in the making here, and I'm talking about Ronda Rousey and Alexa Bliss. Uh, I know a lot of people are really, really up on this entire thing, but to me, it just doesn't make any sense. I'm looking forward to the match, but just the way that they're building this entire thing with Rousey, I'm already checked out. I I was a little surprised that you're saying that people are actually uh, up on this thing. You know, to me, this is another example. You know, what we are continually hearing about these women's division is they don't want to make a decisive decision of how to handle these talents. And here again, I, you know, this goes back to her very, you know, when she was introduced to the WWE Universe, when I first brought her out to Rumble, they have not really given Rousey anything, the tools to really, really succeed. You know, it's always misdirection. And I want to ask you something here, Jogger, right now. You know, we've heard this for a long time that they wanted her maybe to represent like that Stone Cold figure. I mean, are you buying this coming out of the crowd, buying your ticket like, oh, I am one of you, but I'm going to take actions in my own hands. And then this week she comes out of the crowd. It's more confusing by the rules and it makes management look stupid. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing. Like Jersey Mike absolutely loved this entire segment. 
but here's my problem, right? So Ronda Rousey's suspended. She's coming out through the crowd. There's no security. If this was Stone Cold, right? And we're talking about Vince and Austin back in the day. How many times did we see Vince come to the ring with like 800 goons as security? Because we knew Austin was going to show up and it was Austin beating up the security guards that made half of the whole freaking thing. You would have 50 cops present for this thing to make sure that this wasn't happening. It's just not Kurt running out asking her to stop while she just wails on everybody. Yeah, it's it's just they're it's so overbooked and it's no different than the the Sasha and Bailey thing. It's just so overbooked. Just tell me a story of two people who don't like each other and they're going to have a wrestling match. I don't need a lesbian angle. I don't need suspensions. Well, you know, if you really want shit. If if you really want the heat, it should be that Alexa Bliss is is implementing this legal action to keep Ronda away from her. Not that it's a management mandate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Completely with you. Just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, and especially with bliss, you know, it should be that she is, you know, she's the, she's the one that's outsmarting people. She went and found legal action to make sure that she is protected from Ronda. The most dangerous woman in the world has to stay away from her. And then you go through these other actions, and then she's complaining to man where management's kind of like, okay, Bliss, you know, oh, we'll let this one, you know, slide a little bit, you know, to get that pop. But, you know, all right, we will keep her away. They have just totally misdirected the thing. And if two schmucks like us could sit here and probably lay out a year's worth of booking better than the guys that are getting paid to do this thing, and I actually think we could do it in a presentable way because I understand, you know, you just, everyone likes to play be the booker, fancy booker. Well, I do this. This is who I'd push. No, they actually want this program to happen. These people that are supposed to have like the smarts and the brains to do this, that they can't figure out actual logical ways to approach this. It's just amazing to me. Well, and the thing that drives me absolutely insane about it is when I bring up something as simple as where was security? She suspended and she just goes walking right up onto the ramp and marches right down to the ring and all this other crap, where's security? And Jersey Mike says to me, you're just being nitpicky. No, that's not nitpicky. That's just fucking logical. I just, I, I'm so tired of them just treating us like fucking morons. Is that so bad? I just how want the that, show to be good. How is that nitpicking? Or is it more that he is just accepting lowest common lowest common denominator booking? Sorry, I got a little tongue tied there. It's been a long time since I dropped it. Yeah, but expect more. Expect more from your brand. You know, just look at the fine details in storytelling. Uh, it, that that's what great movies and books and novels. That's what they're all about. It's about captivating, about getting you from every angle. The, you know, little subtleties that really captivate your imagination, and they're just completely missing it. And stay inside of your narrative. That's you know, just hey, just even from that, we just saw her. She, all right, she bought her ticket. On Sunday, okay, she's in the arena. She jumps around. She should have been stopped. Why the hell now is on Monday? Why are they even letting her in the arena? Right from the gate. Right, exactly from, from the person collecting the ten to fifteen dollars for parking. There should have been security all over that building. Who was there specifically to make sure Ronda Rousey did not get into the and, building? And even if 
WWE management is not strictly enforcing this thing, which it seems that Kurt Angle is making this more of a joke. Why isn't Bliss herself hiring us? When Bliss comes out to the ring, why isn't she flanked by waves of security? Yeah, it, it, it's just one of those things. It's I don't feel like this is nitpicky. I'm just like, establish your narrative and stay within your narrative. Lucha Underground has freaking dragons and they've got white rabbits and they've got the gauntlet of the gods and all this crazy shit. But you know why it works? Because they establish the narrative and they stay within that narrative. The second they start going, oh, well, now this is a story about two guys who just don't like each other. And now we have, you know, the rabbit tribe and all this. No, you have to be if you're going to do crazy shit, you got to do crazy shit. Yeah. Well, we have rabbit tribe now because it's time for war games. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, B team versus the deleters of worlds will be happening on Monday night raw next week for their tag team championship rematch. Rick, does this do anything for you? I mean, this week we got to see the B team and the Ascension. I, I don't know how much you really want me to say about that, but I guess Matt Hardy's going to eat the B team next week. Well, I guess my biggest fear here is, uh, I guess, can we all, is everyone kind of assuming this is the end of the, the leaders? I assume I, this has to be where Wyatt turns on Hardy, right? Well, it is as much of a joke as this thing has been. I mean, breaking up that team, what, do, what does this really do for this division? Nothing. Because I mean, this is still the Authors of Pain's division. It's cute that the B team's running around with the titles, but this is the Authors of Pain's division. There's nobody on Monday Night Raw that you can match up with the Authors of Pain. Let me ask you something here. This kind of popped in my head. I'm just throwing this out here for, for good conversation. We've got the, the leaders, uh, a, a an odd pairing, but very similar. They have kind of captivated the WWE universe. You know, they, they get their gimmicks over their, their entrances and catchphrases. Uh, but also on the other brand, we have Jeff Hardy, who is talking about deleting an obsolete things like that. Mm-hmm. Very brother Nero on SmackDown live. Okay. Uh, who, who's, I know we're going to get into our great debate later where Randy Orton stands from our perspective, but, what if somehow this comes together at SummerSlam where the Hardys reunite and you see Bray and Randy somehow reunite? Oh, that's an interesting uh, possibility. Hmm. Yeah, I, I know it was short-lived and it was Randy kind of using them, but maybe there was like a weird connection there where it really didn't end or something like that. Well, I know Randy has come out and said that he doesn't feel like that story was told well enough. He, he didn't never wanted to leave the Wyatt family, um, which is kind of odd to hear out of Randy Orton, but I guess it was only half the bump. So in, in that respect, it makes sense. Um, I, I just, throw, down just, throw, just, just throwing a crazy thought out there. Uh, I, I personally, I was kind of hoping that the deleters of worlds would get these tag belts back. And I kind of want to see sanity versus the deleters of worlds. Now I know that you're going to say to me, but Jargo sanity's on SmackDown. Yeah, I know there's no, sanity I'm not because, I, because I'm not an idiot that makes that argument because anyone can move a brand anytime they want. I wish they would. Well, that and their sanity. I mean, it, it, sanity shouldn't be restricted to a brand that kind of defeats the entire point of the gimmick, right? Hmm. You know what I'd really like there? Uh, you, you actually kind of struck something there, buddy. Here's what I'd really like. Maybe you have Nikki cross come out and help the, the leaders recapture their championships. Ooh, I like but then that. that was only just a swerve so that she can bring sanity in to 
to destroy the deleters themselves. I mean, if you want to talk about a final deletion kind of thing, isn't that the way to go? Sanity? Well, and it's and that's how you kind of present that thing. You have Nikki eventually you know, help the deleters, but then reveal that her ultimate plan is just to destroy the broken universe and, and Bray and everything about that. And instead of having it happened on either brand, it happens in either the compound or anywhere in space and time. You know, there was a, a clip on NXT last night where Shayna Baszler came out for commentary during the women's triple threat. And Nikki Cross is sitting in the corner doing her weird psycho freak out stuff. And as soon as Shayna Baszler's music hit, Nikki Cross got incredibly happy. Like incredibly creepy sitting there waving at her. Hi. Hey, Shayna. Hey, you want to choke me out again? It was so freaking weird. It was fair. You know, you, you know one thing, man. I, I wish, you know, they, you know, I don't even care about the men's divisions. I wish they'd like give like me and you like the women's book for a year. Like let's have, how much time we have each week to like, did you imagine like we could make remake mankind with Nikki Cross? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I know. Uh, the only other thing to talk about on Monday Night Raw is two guys who were basically absent from Monday Night Raw. Of course, uh, Braun Strowman had a little bit of a, a promo backstage. What, how do you think Braun Strowman's going to play into this Lashley-Roman Reigns thing? Or is it just that Roman Reigns is going to pin Brock Lesnar, everybody's going to shit all over it, Braun's going to come out cash in on Roman Reigns? Well, sorry, I was talking to Ray about this the other day, and he actually had kind of forgotten it, you know, because they have been downplaying Braun with that with that case. I think, you know, if you're going to make anything, everyone happy, anything, everyone happy at the end of SummerSlam, if that's, if that's what they're going to close with, you have Roman go over, you have that crowd just going nuts, shitting on it, and then you hear that roar, that place will erupt. Yeah. It would erupt, and you have Braun come down. I still don't agree with Braun with the case, but come on, at this point. There's no way you can go off the air at SummerSlam with Roman Reigns standing tall holding up the Fruit Loop Championship of the universe. Brooklyn's going to shit all over it. But still to me, with a guy like Braun, I mean, I, I understand you got the case, pick your spot. But does it taint the, you know, that first major championship where yeah i guess the first major he does he's a tight champ he that first major if he does it after someone's beaten down i mean wouldn't it be in him to say you know what the match right in the big match introductions you hear the roar and he's like nope i'm in this match yeah that 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 would make the most sense if you want to keep him as a baby face but i don't know what the well no no because no because you have individuals that say you're nitpicking that there should be security anywhere or not even caring about actual story structure because uh, the place will pop like crazy. It's going to be a huge pop when he comes out and, and just demolishes someone. I'm, I, I just don't think that Braun Strowman showing up out of nowhere to pummel, you know, your newly crowned champion of the universe, Roman Reigns, to beat him down and take that title is a very baby face. Well, move. you know, that, that gives Roman that gives Roman motivation that, hey, I got robbed again. You couldn't face me like a man. Because, no. you know, it, actually, actually, if we go back to their feuds, Roman's over on him. I mean, Braun has those moments, but Roman actually is over on him when it actually comes down to, you know, the victor and the feuds. Ridiculous. Speaking of another guy that Roman. Now, what, what, about, what about a crazy twist, though? What if Brock wins? And everyone's kind of like, ah, oh, shit, man, here we go. He's going to hold this thing till January, and then Strowman comes out. I think he holds it until WrestleMania, and then Strowman comes out. 
I'm not sure that Brock Lesnar is losing this title anytime soon. I, th- I think that it's very tempting for Vince McMahon to send Brock Lesnar to the Octagon with the WWE Universal Championship. I think that's very tempting for Vince McMahon. The other, I, I kind of, I think that's work because man, we still got six months of that. You're gonna pretty much take your away your Universal Champion for six months. Yeah, why not? I mean, nobody cares about that title anyway. I mean, why not? Hey, you know, if, if they do that though, I want to go back to something you mentioned Monday. Then let him run around with it. Then have AJ start showing up on both shows. Yep, yep, fully in support of that. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about this week was Kevin Owens. Of course, Kevin Owens was not on Monday Night Raw. Kevin Owens got about 10 seconds worth of a mention in passing on Monday Night Raw. Now, had this happened 20 years ago, this bump would be the talk of the wrestling world for the next month and a half. Are we as wrestling fans just place? to somebody getting thrown off the top of a 20 foot cage through a table at this point. Well, you know, in a three day, in a three day gap, um, the cage spot was not the most vicious thing we've seen. You know, the most vicious thing we saw, we're going to talk about here on SmackDown. was the ear spot. Yeah. And the problem is, you know, how they presented it with that airbag was disastrous. Well, that, and it's also the baby face murdering the heel. I mean, you know, so it, it just doesn't resonate the same way as when Foley went flying off the top of the cage. Well, Foley was the heel. Oh, yeah, there is that. But I, Foley it's, was the heel, but then but then it was something we had never seen. Now every now we see it every October, someone takes a bump off of that cage. I am afraid that somebody getting thrown off the top of a cage through a table is becoming the new super kick. What, what do we call it? Cage dive party? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I, but you know, like, are we, are we that numb to it now to where it's like, oh yeah, that was just another move. Like it's I, just I part think, of your I standard move was, set. Yeah. No, it was. You, you go in there, you expect someone to come off that cage anymore. You, it's, it's not because we have hell in a cell every October. We get the same damn spot over and over. You know, the first time we saw it, the first big one we saw with Shawn Michaels, and he went off the side the of the cage. And then it blew your mind when you saw Foley actually take a guy, a running dive off of it. And since then, now everything's just been, you know, replicated. Now. And now when now, it, hey, it's great that they actually are investing in like the stunt equipment to protect the talent. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against that in any way. It's about just doing the spot in a way it looks. It's kitchen. Can you imagine, like, I don't know, like in a Batman movie, you know, like they wrecked a car and you know it's not. Who was last Batman? Affleck? Ben Affleck, yeah. All right, all right, so you realize it's not him and then there's an airbag, like it's a test, te- it's like a, a, te- a test dummy in there. That's what that looked like. It's like they didn't even try to hide it. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that the, the cage dive is becoming the new super kick. It's just part of a uh, standard moveset now. And cage dive party. Yeah. I, I, I pretty soon we're going to have to get ricochet involved in a hell in a cell. So we can try to pull like a 900 off, off the top of the cage, you know, through like six tables that are lit on fire and covered in barbed wire. And like, hey, how far of, do we have that, to go with this? That, did you see that stupid, uh, that stupid indie show freaking video this week where the guy thought he was going to drop a burning leg drop on someone and then light himself on fire. Yes. Uh, that I, I got, my question is, who is the worst referee, that guy or Red Shoes? 
I'm gonna say that guy's a great referee because he put out that put out the flames. And He's also the get... one that lit it and drug no, the guy no, into no. the ring and set no, up the no, table. No, no, the guy lit it himself. No, this the referee lit it. Dude. They don't, no, this guy was. I think I'm. Well, I think I saw something different. This guy just lit his knee pad knee pad on fire himself from the second rope and hit a leg drop. But you know, again, we're talking about logic. What does that do? I mean, unless you're going to sit there with your leg burning on them for a while, I mean, why don't you just light them on fire? Yeah. It, it, where is where is the fucking logic? There's not. There's not. Everybody's just yeah, going but, for a holy but you shit. Know what? No, but you know what? We're just nitpicking. Yeah, we're just nitpicking. Fuck us. <laughs> so let's go ahead and throw it over to the break because I've only had like a half a cigarette since I woke up today, and I'm kind of in the middle of a Nick fit. And uh, we'll come back. We'll talk about SmackDown and the G1. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back. First entry for Psychology 101. Dysfunctional. Yeah. Don't you bring me nothing stupid. If you don't want me to lose it, step back. If you don't want me to attack, I'm a beast. Better give me the deuces. I have no tolerance for nonsense. Get away from me. Me, I want to get dollars. Don't want to holler, but you making me. I'm a little dysfunctional. You're the problem. Please don't awaken me. And I'm that way, because back in the day, most have forsaken me. Lottie Dotty, I'm at the party. On a drunk night, what a punk might do is try to pick a fight because he's sorry. That he ain't got he like I because he sloppy, not me cause. Rocks be spot free, but he don't know I'm roguish. Surrounded by my soldiers, and they be locked and loaded. When exploded, you can't hold us. And we don't got no scruples, we didn't come to fight and shoot you. But your busters better be neutral, don't get loose because we cuckoo. Listen, they call me genius, I run the show. Women be on my penis, it's wonderful. Demons think they the meanest, but I brung the fall on the floor. A little bit sick, don't you know? I'm a little dysfunctional, don't you know? If you push me, it might be. Bad. Get a little emotional, don't you know? If you fool around and make me mad, I'm a little dysfunctional, don't you know? If you push me, it might be bad. Get a little emotional, don't you know? Might fool around and make me mad, don't make me mad. Born to hustle, I'm a product of environment. The game didn't change, so I've been forced into retirement. But I made moves and I pay dues and I got common sense. Since I can't lose and I can't choose, then I'll come back to spit. I got hit songs, but I've been gone so long that I don't fit. Knew that the throne, but can't get on, so I need me a lick. I write these songs, but don't belong. I'm on some other shit. I'm hunting leads in desperate need. I hope it's coming quick. I rack my brain to find the land that's gonna bring me some change. But it's so strange, my life has changed and I am not the same. I come around, but since I'm down, it feels uncomfortable. I try to hide it deep inside, but I'm dysfunctional. I never learn to hold it in, I get emotional. First implode and then explode, I am combustible. So please don't push me, play me pussy on some real shit. Won't be defeated if I'm heated, nigga, I'm a little all shit. Dysfunctional, don't you know? If you push me, it might be bad. Get a little emotional, don't you know? If you fool around and make me mad, I'm a little dysfunctional, don't you know? Me, it might be bad. Get a little emotional, don't you know? Might fool around and make me mad. But don't push me Goody, goody, quiet boy Never been no pussy Could be carrying something up under my hoodie Chris would never snap and kill up all of y'all over here Now I what? wanna be peaceful But I carry desert eagles where Wherever black people are You know how black people 
law, I peep them out. Try to stay even down. Wanna preach to them, but the evil keep on seeping out. Emotions get the best of me. Messed up, and then y'all get the rest of me. Depressed and stressed, feel like my destiny. I know y'all think less of me, cause I'm always sick and I can't let it be. Pharmaceutical soup be the best recipe. It's gonna be the death of me. I need difficult just to cope. That's why I keep throwing them pills down my throat. Dysfunctional blunt to do. Smoking Bombay can give me fun sway, but I wish that it all would go away. Or maybe I should pray for Jesus Christ and just impretzel me. Try to pray for change, but sometimes it feel like he lets it be. So I just take another couple doses, probably be fine. But if you get too close, you'll find out that I'm a little dysfunctional, don't you know? If you push me, it might be bad to get a little emotional, don't you know? If you fool around and make me mad, I'm a little dysfunctional, don't you know? If you push me, it might be bad to get a little emotional, don't you know? You might fool around and make me mad, don't make me mad. Worship us! Hey, what's up? This is the best, Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to The Locker Room with Jargo and RBV. Don't miss out. I'm rolling. We're back in, right? Yep, we're back. We're back. Well, hey, before we jump into the segment two here, man, I, I got to give another shout out here. Everyone knows I am on location here. We've got a great fight night going on at Harbor House Bar and Grill here in beautiful Huron, Ohio. Of course, my uh, relocated hometown. We are right here on Lake Erie. But I got to get major props. You know, I, I'm sitting here inside one of my favorite bartenders of all time. And she is such amazing. And a huge congratulations to her. She knows she's just graduated nursing school. Her name is Morgan McCann. And she is one of, dude, she comes in and works doubles all summer. She's go, she just finished up school. She's getting into the real world. Poor yeah, thing. I wish I could bring her. I wish I could bring her on screen because all I hear the stories is, man, she is just batting, batting away, guys, left and right, vacations left and right. She knows how to work it, man. She, she is making bank behind this bar. She knows how to bring it, man. One of the best bartenders. Great girl, great personality. Love talking with her. If you're ever here in northern Ohio, in beautiful Huron, Ohio, make sure you stop in. Well, she's kind of all over this North Shore area. So, and, and I mean that in a positive, like in bars, in a positive way. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this beautiful weather that you have in the in this beautiful location, and I'm sitting here in the studio hoping that I don't get blown away by a tornado. We've got tornado warnings going off all over Cedar Rapids today. Fun stuff. Uh, we, we have our we have our last day here. We are going to get like storm. It's going to be a storm this entire weekend. So they're they're counting their blessings. We got our event tonight where it's going to be great weather because this weekend looks like it's going to be a wash here. Let's uh, let's talk about a, a great show. I don't know if they had great weather where they were, but let's talk about what I thought was a, a pretty good show as far as WWE goes. Of course, I'm talking about SmackDown Live, and then we'll talk a little bit of G1 on the back half of this. Um, we had some some fun stuff on SmackDown this week. I thought SmackDown was a pretty decent show. I actually enjoyed the show. You know, it was like a night and day. You know, going back when we talked about in the, in the very top, or not the very top of the show, but talking about Raw, where it seems like Roman Reigns win just sucked the life out of that show. Like, you knew what was going to happen. It was very predictable. This show had some great wrestling, some fresh matchups. I thought it was pretty enjoyable. AJ Styles takes on Andrade Cien Almas. That's your first match of SmackDown Live. 
fantastic match, especially as far as WWE TV matches go. Really enjoyed this match with the exception of the finish. I didn't like uh, CN tapping out quite so quick. It wouldn't have bothered me quite so much if, if AJ had actually done anything to Andrade's leg throughout the entirety of the match. But if that was a story being told, it was just, I've seen people in this hold for quite a while and CN seemed to tap pretty quick. Yeah, that was my issue with that. You know, it wasn't a story told through it. And I could, you know, Ray kind of presented it. I understood a little bit how CN, you know, at after the post-match, you know, he kind of held his own and said, all right, you know what? I tested you. I took you there. You got me. Now I learn." Yep. But you are right. If you're going to do, if you're going to, I can see like a roll up. That would be so much better. Or, you know, just AJ hitting with the elbow out of somewhere. But when you're not even telling a story of working that leg, you know, working towards the top and have it come out of nowhere, to me, that turned me off to this thing. But hey, you know, it was, hey, it was just one of the many Bullet Club versus Chaos matches of the week. Yeah. No kidding. Well, LIJ, but yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, LIJ. I'm sorry. I thought it was Chaos. I'm sorry. Well, you know what? I'm still learning. I'm sorry. If Kennedy, please don't freaking uh, put me on a crucifix there. I'm sorry, LIJ. I'm actually rocking right now the traditional black Los Ingobernables de Hapon t-shirt. Uh, I, 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 do pro- I do promise everyone by the time we get to StarCast, I will be able to drop and also throw in for a little bit of that bill for Mr. Cody Rhodes. <laughs> I think I'm going to hand Cody a bill for like five grand. Uh Page to determine the number one contender on SmackDown Live next week. How do you? What do you think of this approach? Page just coming out and naming a number one contender when we have a series of triple threat matches and then a number one contenders match on Raw. I honestly don't like either one uh, because there's nothing personal here. Yep, very much agreed. Especially going into an event like SummerSlam, this is one of your big ones. We should have something personal, just not hey, I'm your, I'm coming for you and your championship. I, I want something that maybe not like a blood feud, but this should be something that hits home for you. Thankfully, I'm pretty sure the person that she is going to name as the number one contender is going to be Samoa Joe. And Samoa Joe can make anything real personal real fast. I, I'm actually hoping the way that they're doing this, that maybe they make it real personal real fast. I, and I know this would never happen here, but I mean, how great would it be if Joe just came out and choked out Paige? That would be fantastic. I, I would pop for that, but that would be a babyface turn for Samoa Joe, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I, the only other thing I wanted to talk about here was CM Punk. Yep, CM Punk. You remember CM Punk's uh, first uh, world championship title reign, Rick? I'm kind uh, of... You know, I, uh, you know what, man? You know me, man. I, I never liked Punk, man. Well, no, no, this isn't even necessarily about Punk. This is about the World Championship being booked as a mid-card title. Because that's what they did with CM Punk the first time he won the championship, and I feel like that's kind of what's going on here with AJ Styles. Why do we have AJ Styles versus Andrade Cien Almas opening the show instead of closing the show? It doesn't seem like the WWE Championship is a big deal at all. No, no, I I will defend this here. Because this wasn't a championship match. This was more of a proving ground. And you did have a championship match headlining. And I am I am okay with that. This this is trying to get a pop out of the audience. They're trying to get people built up into this thing. This was more of a proving ground. 
than almost walking out with the title when you actually had a championship match closed. I'm I'm with you, but I'm talking. I'm not necessarily just talking about Tuesday night. I'm talking about the entirety of 254 days that AJ Styles has been world champion. I, I'm just defending this situation, but I have to agree a little bit more. And I think you know when you go back to dual when you go back to dual pay per views, you're going to have a little bit of this. And again, you know, it goes back to that they don't really respect even the top stars on SmackDown. They don't think they're still in the same class as Raw. They just think because you got that red staple to your ass that you're a baboon in, in WWE that that's what everyone's looking at. Yep. It goes all the way back to Bailey treats treating SmackDown like the forgotten land of Siberia. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, you're like, you say someone's getting treated to SmackDown. Like that's the ultimate punishment. Yeah. Didn't make any sense. Just yeah, Bailey's yeah. reaction really bugged me on that. It, it, which, which was so t- like, why would you say that you're fired? And then let them show up somewhere else like, oh, yeah, these guys capitalized and came to deal with you. Not like we're going to send like, you to SmackDown. Yeah, you're going to the land of misfit toys, which is SmackDown. <laughs> the island of misfit toys known as SmackDown Live. Pretty much. Pretty much. I think one of my favorite uh, uh, misfit toys on SmackDown Live right now is Becky the Dragon Steampunk. I mean, Becky Lynch. Um I, I saw another post in the Hameen Media discussion group the other day. Do you think we should turn Becky Lynch heel? No. She's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. You don't turn Ricky the Dragon Steamboat heel. He was the moral compass of the WWF for years. Becky Lynch is the moral compass of SmackDown Live. She's weird. She's quirky. She's bubbly. She's fun. If Becky likes you, you're a babyface. If Becky doesn't like you, you're a heel. We need a moral compass on SmackDown Live, and it's Becky Lynch. Quit trying to turn Becky Lynch heel. Well, you know, this this goes even deeper. Everyone thinks, even like Bailey, like, because they're not into her or they, they think they can't correct their, their character. But the obvious thing is a heel turn. This is actually, this is the reason where, you know what, I'm, I'm going to say, well, what, I'm going to say 85% of fans are just stupid. I, I would be inclined to agree with that. I don't know if stupid isn't necessarily the right word. Selfish, I think, is the right word. They want things their way, and if they don't do things their way, then it was stupid. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with they're just fucking stupid, because really think this through. I mean, we, we come from a real business world. You, you work in television where shows aren't working or time slots aren't working. You change things. I come from a marketing world where you have to tweak and you have to put the pos- positive twist on everything. You just don't make something villainous because it isn't getting over. You have to recreate from within and you have to really understand what the basis of that character is. The problem is they don't know how to represent this character. You know, someone like Becky Lynch, she doesn't need a freaking heel turn. She is what she is. She's that mid card person right now. That's always going to be there. That's going to make kids pop. That like you said, is the positive role model. And that's someone that speaks for everyone there. I always start back to it. All right. If you turn Becky, all right. How do you compensate for that? Who are you going to turn the other way? How do you tell the story? No one ever has a freaking answer for that. They just want to, they just want to yell, well, this person should be moved up the card. All right. Who are you going to move down? How's this work? Yep. Becky, the dragon steampunk. That's, that's the new name I'm going with for Becky Lynch. So we're going to get Becky versus Carmella next week. And if Becky wins, then she will face Carmella at SummerSlam. This seems like it's pretty much a foregone conclusion, right? I, I actually think this is because, you know, I'm, I'm going to we're going to go back to our, our good friend, Strangler Steve, who told us, told me and knew this months ago. 
This was how they laid it out. Charlotte, Asuka, Becky for Carmella to run through these three. I think it stops at Becky. I think Becky's taking this title in Brooklyn. I, you know what? You're only saying it because you're actually going to your fandom because you hate Carmella so much. I keep telling you this, brother. It's not about Mella being money. Mella is Bella. She is that next one that they can cross over. They can use the sex appeal. They can use the marketing who can hang in the ring, who can cross over. I won't even by WrestleMania. She might have her own show, reality show on the network or E or something like that. Mark my words. I know you're going to be hating it, but that's just a fan of you. You're just so against her here. But turn that side of your brain off and think about how their marketing thing is working right now. That the rev evolution is over, but they're going back to a diva style thing where it's kind of a, a hybrid between the two. This is the truth, man. I'm with you. And I'm not, I'm not actually thinking with my fandom here. I'm thinking about Ronda Rousey, which is the most important thing in the WWE women's division. Survivor Series is coming up. I think you're going to have Ronda Rousey is going to take the Raw Women's title, and I think that you're going to do the Raw Women's Champion versus the SmackDown Women's Champion, and I think that SmackDown Women's Champion is going to be Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series. I don't think it's going to be Carmella. I think you're overthinking. They only did that thing one year. They don't have to go back to champion versus champion. That was just a gimmick for that year. The year before that, it was brand versus brand. You know, it was teams versus teams, things like that. There's I'm going nothing with in Becky. the books. I'm There's nothing in the books that they, they have to go with that thing. Uh, the one that I wanted to ask or, you about, or, or Survivor Series, is what you get, what you want. It, you know, it's NXT. Maybe it's, no, maybe it's Carmella that hires Baszler. Eh, that doesn't seem to have nearly the effect to me. Well, for some uh, well, uh, let me let me throw this out here. If you're WWE creative and you're looking at Survivor Series. And you're laying this out. It's just not what I want to see. Again, folks, don't take everything I say is what I think. I just put myself in their shoes. You've got like Ronda having Ellsworth tap out. Like he's sitting there doing his gimmick. Carmella's knocked out in the freaking corner. Ellsworth's tapping out. Baser comes in and attacks Ronda. Takes her out. Carmella steals the win. I like it better with Bliss and Baszler simply because then you would have Baszler on Raw because once you put the title on Ronda Rousey, you have this horrible problem where Ronda Rousey becomes Brock Lesnar. And I mean that in the respect that once you put the title on Rousey, how in the hell are you going to get it off of there when you have no legitimate contenders? There's nobody on the Raw women's roster that can go one-on-one -on -one with Ronda Rousey. I think you need Shayna Baszler on Monday Night Raw. Again, my friend, you're pretending like they just can't move about wherever they want. It's the same company. And we've also got a different TV contract coming up in 2019. They're going to start shifting people where whichever company wants something or who's going to make the most controlled play for things. You're going to see a lot of shifts coming in early 2019. I know the move doesn't happen until October, but you're going to see a huge shift in WWE programming. You know, one of these days, we need to talk about the superstar shakeup that's coming in January. And by January, I mean New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor contracts. But I have a feeling that's going to be a whole nother show. But that's going to be the superstar shakeup I'm interested in. Right now, I want to ask you about Asuka. Where in the hell does Asuka fit into this entire thing? I mean, she loses to Carmella twice. Uh, both times dirty and now it seems as though we're just moving away from that program like there's nothing that feels settled between Asuka and Carmella at this point at least when Carmella beat Charlotte she pinned her clean it felt definitive it felt over there's nothing that feels over about Asuka and Carmella to me at this point you know another tricky question here but 
I think it's one they don't know what the hell to do with her. Yeah, I think that's really the reality. They have no idea what the hell to do with Asuka at this point. Well, and the real shame is, you know, everyone, you know, you heard some people say when the streak's over, she's over. You and I argued that shouldn't be the case because she can actually wrestle. She can actually have, you know, worth going forward where Goldberg was pretty much a streak. You know, he was just, I'm going to come out and kick your ass. Asuka does have some characters. She has some history you can tie into this, but obviously they have no idea what to do this, do with this. I think at this time, I, man, it, it's a coin flip. What to do with her? Is, is there any real value anymore? Well, I think there's value, but you have to book her the right way. And it seems like every time she loses a big match, their answer and their follow-up is, let's just write her off TV for two weeks. Yeah, that's not right. You just can't say, let her go away and then come back and mention how dominant she once was. Yeah, it, we said at WrestleMania when she lost to Charlotte, all the money is in the follow-up, and they did nothing. And once again, you know, they did her no favors. That, that whole booking in that match at Extreme Rules, were, that's not Oscar to turn her attention to an Ellsworth hanging there. She, her eye is always on the prize. She is looking for that finish line. She wants to dominate. She wants to be a champion. They just don't know how to flat-out book her right now, and it's an absolute you know, travesty to a great talent. It's almost, you know, it's almost the same with Nakamura. You know, we're still get, we're getting back to where he's just a like a little like a little catchy nursery line, you know, rhyme line. Yeah, like when they had that backstage uh, segment, that backstage interview segment with Carmella, I was waiting for Asuka to come up behind her and just murder her. It's like Asuka loses a match and it's like she has to go cry in a corner for a couple of weeks in order to to shake the whole thing off. There's never any follow-up when it comes to Asuka. Instead, they just keep beating her and beating her and beating her until they define her down and nobody cares anymore. Well, it, it's typical WWE booking. I think if we just take her off and tell you how dominant she was and remind you of the streak that she, that she is capable of hurting anyone. They didn't even do her any favors by just giving her this opportunity it, it, this should have been something earned she should have started just running through bitches through the smackdown live women's roster you know i i firmly believe this and i know this is the hottest topic in the history of the hitting the marks pro wrestling podcast rick's gonna know exactly what i'm gonna say ever since they had your precious fucking shar shar beat alexa bliss at survivor series last year the entire women's division has been shit and it all started right get the, freaking get there the fuck out of here. get the fuck out of here with that that is not where it was that's where it started no, it, you know it went to shit the moment it went to shit the moment that they ran out ronda rousey nope it started before that no it no it didn't it, it started with no, charlotte let's, let's had no business going over that she was not the dominant all right you know what it's not all right no they it's not anything with bliss Bliss has been protected and booking since then. It's how what they've done with their actual top stars, their alphas, what they've done with an Oscar with a Charlotte since then. It's been God awful. Speaking of alphas, let's talk about Samoa Joe. On this show, Samoa Joe destroys Ty Dillinger in about two minutes. For some reason, we forgot about Ty Dillinger on the list of baby faces because that's how relevant he is at this point. Samoa Joe just absolutely beats the ever loving piss out of Ty Dillinger, and then we get the slowest, longest camera zoom that we've ever seen in our life. Now, Rick, I have a 65 inch television. Let me tell you. Samoa Joe is a very, very ugly man when all I can see is his itty-bitty little eyes on a 65-inch television. You know, I'm going to take that as a compliment because you have to stare at me two or three times a week. 
I'm going to take that as a compliment. Well done. Well played. Well played. But you know what? Hey, I, I love the fire out of Ty here, man. It was more fire than I've seen him from a while. But, of course, he was trying. Right decision. this was the right decision. You know, you got to come with Joe with intensity. But ultimately, actually, I was sitting there watching the show. I was, uh, I was actually sitting down the street. And I fives. So I was doing a little prep, getting ready uh, for the for Smack Talk with Big Ray and all that. And the All Star Game was on. I had a laptop here in front of me. I had a, a one earphone in, just so I could hear some commentary to pick up things. Someone looked down, walked down, and said, "You watch the SmackDown." Then they walked down. The first thing they said when I stood over my shoulder was, "Damn, I forgot Samoa Joe was, was even on WWE." Yeah, uh, this is the first time we've seen Joe since Money in the Bank. And Samoa so Joe it was good. To, it was good to see him. Samoa Joe has been. We have no idea what Samoa Joe has been doing for the last so month. Just, so this is a question I kind of want to just kind of like play into what you said before. Are they going to is, is Samoa Joe going to be named the number one contender? We're just bitching about people on Raw. Why? Why? Why should he? You know, where has he been? It was great to see him. But what do you really see going forward with him for for SummerSlam? It's I, I it's got to be Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles. I know, but what's the logic there? We haven't seen him in a month. There is no logic. There is no well, logic. Do you just use? Do they just play it off? Hey, the history and people want to see this on one of the grandest stages. I think this comes down to Paige is going to sit down and she's going to take a look at the SmackDown roster and she is going to say. Who is going to face AJ Styles at SummerSlam? Well, it's not going to be Shinsuke Nakamura because he's the United States champion. Um, it yeah, Randy, and we saw that for seven months. Right. And we have uh, Randy Orton. Well, he seems like he's obligated with Jeff Hardy. And, you know, there's even less logic for Randy Orton. Um, Rusev, we just did that one. I, Samoa Joe seems like he is probably the best contender for AJ Styles, even though he hasn't really been around well, I, I want to go back again. I would love to see where she's just about ready to say the announcement, you know. I'm sorry with that with Paige. I know I shouldn't make that freaking gesture. She's about ready to say the announcement, and then Joe just comes in and chokes her out and says, I'm the number one contender. I, I would be all for Paige getting ready to say, and the new number one contender is, and just have Joe come walking out with a microphone and say, the next words out of your mouth better be me. Okay, but all right, so let's put ourselves again in WWE shoes. What if it's Dean Ambrose? Meh. I know it. Does, I know it's not doing it. Let's put ourselves in shit. Let's talk about people they think would be a surprise return. She just went out and signed Dean Ambrose, and the 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 deal was he would come and sign exclusively to SmackDown if he got that championship opportunity. You know how flat that would feel. Would you be excited uh, about that? I'm not excited about it at all, but I'm just throwing some ideas out there, man. Yeah, no, I'm now, now you got me thinking, but I guess am is there anybody else that's due back from injury? Cena? Yeah, I guess. Uh, are are we are uh, are, 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 are we still know. counting on Undertaker at SummerSlam? Maybe that's the Cena the Cena thing is, hey, man, I'm going to take this title and carry it all the way, and I want Undertaker at WrestleMania. Okay. Yeah, I guess I, I, I could just, get behind I'm just, that. I'm just throwing things out here. Hell, hell, you could have Kurt Angle's already promised that someone's going to SmackDown. 
Maybe it's Jason Jordan. Maybe that's the exchange. You know what's crazy? Maybe he's got multiple deals on table. I know Jordan's over. I've got to retract there. That would be an exchange. But maybe Jordan shows up somewhere. You know, I think it's crazy how quickly we moved on from John Cena. You know, when Stone Cold went away, there is still people who long for Stone Cold Steve Austin to come back. When The Rock went away, there are still people 20 years later that speculate maybe The Rock will come back for one more match. Shawn Michaels. Yeah, HBK, another great example. Ric Flair, for God's sake. I think people would be down for a Ric Flair match at this point. Cena isn't gone yet, really. But it just. You you do expect him to show up at some time. He just seems like such an afterthought. Such an afterthought where we don't even think about John Cena anymore. He has just moved on to Hollywood and good fucking riddance to you. That's kind of the way that it feels. I I, think it's still fresh. It'll be very interesting to see what happens the first time Cena comes back. Hey, hold on, hold on. You're, you're, we're forgetting about the one, the one big one. You know, AJ Styles Center waiting for his opponent, and real American hits. Oh, I would lose my shit. Oh man, I and, would lose no, no, my real, mind. Real American hits, but Yano comes out. Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about that <laughs> bastard here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Miz versus Daniel Bryan. It seems as though this is going to happen in Brooklyn. Is that what you took away from this segment this week? Uh, we take a, we we can take that away from the segment, but now we're getting a couple reports out there that maybe Brian hasn't signed his deal, which is all the more it, reason to do Miz and Brian in well, Brooklyn. But, but if it does get signed, that they might hold off on this thing. I think we which need is, to do this in Brooklyn. I think you've already lit the fire. Yep, it's time to do it. I, I think you, we have to do this in Brooklyn now. Right now, since you've set that tone with Daniel coming out and just pretty much taking care of Miz, well, you know, just Miz's segment because Miz got the hell out of there. You know, he he was he was that thinker. He's ahead of himself. Right now, you've lit the fire. There is no going back. Yep, very much agreed. And then we have Shinsuke Nakamura taking on Jeff Hardy. This is your U.S. title rematch. Let's get ready for. Uh, for our war. Yeah, t- time to go to war, Rick. Um, Ain't the first war this week. I've already shut down Big Ray. I've shut down Ben Hameen on this. I've shut down uh, the, the the core, whatever you guys call yourself, the corp, whatever the fuck you call yourself. Hey, so you I, know I, what? I, I, I listened to the Wednesday locker room. A-track core. Nope. Nope, not happening. Not happening. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Huckleberry Club is fine. Nakamura versus Hardy. I, I thought the, this was a actually a pretty good match, especially considering it seemed like Jeff Hardy was trying to shake needles out of his hand every uh, 20 seconds. I very much enjoyed this match until that bastard Randy Orton comes in, takes away a real finish to this match, takes that away from the audience, and then proceeds to beat the ever-loving piss out of Brother Nero. Now, Rick, I understand that you think this is just the Viper being the Viper. I don't understand that. I know that. And I think anyone else does is a fucking idiot. I I don't understand your logic here. Because uh, you and I both know how big of a star Randy Orton is. And I think, to an extent, I think you're right. Okay? We know Randy Orton is going to get that star pop. We know that Randy Orton is just Randy Orton in the eyes of the WWE universe. 
which is why I think this attack was so heinous. I feel like if you were going to turn Randy Orton heel, you have to have him do something so dastardly. Number one, you have to have him interrupt a match that is a fantastic match and take the finish away from the fans. Number two, you have him completely assault Jeff Hardy, which is bad enough. I mean, the chair spots are bad enough. The DDT on the floor is bad enough. But that freaking ear thing, let me tell you something, brother. I have my ears gauged. Now, they're nowhere near what Jeff Hardy's are, but I don't think I've seen a more painful spot in ever than that was. That's the only way you're going to get Randy Orton booed. This was a heel turn, my friend. This this is ultimately... Excuse me, my guy. Excuse me. You're so good looking. If you're a Seinfeld fan, you get that reference. Hopefully they do. Hopefully they do there. But uh, but honestly, here, man, you're so with me. I thought I think yep, I I'm, I'm with you. I, I thought I seized. <laughs> they come in threes, man. This is terrible. Yep. I'm sorry. Man. Me they too, man. Always threes. threes. Always. The worst is after two, and you okay. can feel the third one coming, but it's not there. You know, you're waiting for. It. You're waiting for. It. You know, kind of like you're waiting for. You know what's going to happen because there's a snake in the grass. He's lingering. He's ready to strike. He's ready to bite. It doesn't matter if you're the villain, if you're the good guy. You get too close, you're going to get bit, and it's going to hurt. It's going to sting. He is going to take you out. This, once again, is what Randy Orton does. Randy Orton is one of the most popular. And Jerry, you, we both know this, man. We've both been to shows where he is over like freaking crazy in this world. where They're just lining up. They want to be a part, with, a part of him. What this does is reconfirm that you shouldn't just cheer Randy Orton. You should expect the unexpected. Anyone is vulnerable to the Viper's bite. They booed Randy Orton on SmackDown. As he was walking out, they booed Randy Orton. Because he had to go that far in order to be booed. This was a heel turn for Randy Orton. I firmly believe that. I, I completely understand exactly what you're saying. And what I'm saying is what, the what reason was this saying? this what, was, what was so saying? aggressive was because he had to be that aggressive in order to be booed. What was he saying? You want to know why? You want to know why? Ask me. And then he look up, where's Shinsuke? Where's Shinsuke? He's next. That was what he, when he, the intensity in his face, when he, where's Shinsuke? Where is Shinsuke? Shinsuke was next. Shinsuke knew that he had a look of fear in his eyes. He got the hell out of there. The Viper is back. This guy is ready to dominate. This is a title that had looted him his entire career. He took this thing before WrestleMania. Uh, Mahal stole that from him there and then went to Raw. Hardy was the champion that he can attack. Hardy is a champion. The guy that took that championship that has a history with Randy. There is no one safe right now from Randy Orton, and that is the character they are trying to tell. He isn't a baby. He isn't a villain. He is Randy Orton. So what are you thinking? Are you thinking this is going to be Orton versus Hardy at SummerSlam, or are you thinking this is going to be a triple threat for the U.S. title? I, I actually am going to play back into what you have brought up a couple times, that, yes, Hardy needs time off. He is injured. I think Hardy gets written off before that. And we have Shinsuke versus Randy at SummerSlam. Well, I think the thing here is you can start building Orton versus Nakamura and start prepping that for SummerSlam. You can give Jeff Hardy a month off 
and then have him come back and still be back in time for SummerSlam. We've got like six weeks here. Well, we got about five weeks. Well, okay, yeah, uh, now five. But but then again, looking at this card, though, is this another triple threat on this thing? Because it's kind of looking we might have. I mean, there's a possibility of a couple of these triple threats. Well, that's what happens when you've got so much talent that you're trying to squeeze onto the card. And I mean, and the worst part is, is you know, SummerSlam is going to probably end up being like a six-hour show. Well, but again, you know, it just it devalues everything. If we've got all these triple threats, and hey, brother, you're the first one out there to tell people. WWE has no business in the triple threat business. Yep, completely agreed. Although I will say that the uh, women's triple threat on NXT last night was actually really, really good. If you want to see a good triple threat, go check that one out. I think there's more value in if you're going to go forward with this thing, have Randy get rid of Hardy. Uh, then either that or you can recreate, you can bring him and Matt back together at some point. But I don't think you really need a hearty name power for SummerSlam, especially in a Jeff. You could bring him back for the hall, for the the hall, the fall to carry the hall through that season. I could see that, too. I could see that, too. Let's move on to uh, G1 Climax. Day four. そして迎えた28度目の夏。険しく激しい灼熱のサバイバルがここに。新日本プロレスマラツの最強選手決定戦。G1クライマックス28。Alright, Rick, did you have a chance to see any of these matches? Uh, yes, I did. But I, you know, I have a question for you, man. Because, you know, hey, I always, you know, I'm like the voice of the, the novice New Japan fan here on any of our, our platforms. What does G1 stand for? I have no idea. I have no idea. I was thinking maybe it was like Grand One or something like that. Or, you know, just... I don't know. IWGP is um, International Wrestling Grand Prix, which is what... New Japan kind of right. got that title from, but as far as G1, I was I'm not sure. It was like something from there. You know, there's there's got to be a reason behind there. Yeah, there's got to be. I'll look into that. I'll look into that. Remind me, to, and I will uh, try to get an answer f- for that because I'm not sure. Now you, now you have me curious. So let's well, talk now, about uh, now, now that we're talking, I'm going to hit Google. <laughs> no, he's going to Wikipedia it. Uh, let's talk about the G1 Climax Day 4. We have uh, your results here. I'm going to kind of run through them quick, and then we can take a look at a couple of these matches individually, if you like. Sonata defeats Tama Tonga by pinfall with a bridging O'Connor roll. That one kind of surprised me a little bit. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats the bastard Toru Yano by pinfall with the European clutch. I absolutely want to talk to you about that match because we all know how much I love Yano. Kota Ibushi, Kota Ibushi defeats Juice Robinson with a Kamagoyaye. Poor Juice, he's having a rough tournament. Well, uh, so there, there are a couple matches I want to talk to you here about. I'll, I'll let you go through them real quick. Uh, Naito defeats Tomohiro Ishii via pinfall with the Destino. And Kenny Omega defeats Hiroki Goto via pinfall with the one-winged angel. Uh, so we, we now have results through two rounds. I'll, I'll run through those scores right here at the end. Well, hold on. let's talk about these matches real quick here. Yeah, absolutely. Just real score, but it is Grande 1. That is what it stands for. Grande one. It sounds like something I would order at Taco Bell. Uh, I think that actually the Grande one at Taco Bell is uh, two two tacos, uh, a beef enchilado, and a cinnamon twist. That's actually probably more food than I would eat. 
Uh, dude, dude uh, yesterday, Sunday night after we left the bar, I put down four Big Macs. Oh, my God. Dude, I, I can't wait. Like, when we get to Chicago, uh, I think, you know, Thursday I'm going to be so nervous after all that stuff. But Friday, you'll probably catch me where I throw down, dude. <laughs> we're going to have to, like, document this. My God. <laughs> we're going to have to document how much I can throw down, man. Two times it's always like, how the hell do you do this? Two times had like a chicken sandwich and a hash brown, and I'm like devouring Big Macs like left and right. Yeah, I, I think I eat more like two times. So Sonata defeats Tama Tonga. This one kind of came out of nowhere for me. I didn't uh, see this one coming at all. This was a surprise for me. I, I want you know I wanted to talk to you about this one. You know Tonga's kind of on a tear there, but to see this steal, man, this is one of those things. It, it kind of overall, this is kind of like that weird transition to the tournament where there's only one or two surprises where it's kind of just playing its flow. But this is one of them, man. Sonata going over, and the other big one I thought is Juice, man. It, he's He hasn't got a win yet, right? No, Juice is now 0-2. I'm not surprised that he lost to Ibushi. I mean, it, he lost to Kota Ibushi. It's not like there's a whole lot of shame there, but the fact that he's 0-2 is kind of surprising. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, just this early and with that great performance we saw from him last year, and he's coming in here hot. To see, not surprised he lost to Ibushi, but that he's 0-2 right now has nothing on the board. Absolutely. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Toru Yano by pinfall. Thank freaking God. I was terrified that Yano was going to pull one off here against Zack Sabre Jr., and this was going to be the new foil to Toru Yano. I was going to ask you something here. I'm looking at this layout, and you're always, you know, Yano gets his win. I don't think he gets a win in this thing. He's going to get a win. He's going to get a win. I Dude, don't know I who can't... it's going to be, but he's going to get one, and I'm well, going to be I, pissed when it happens. You, man. Like, who do you think it is? I can see him getting blank, but I don't see him getting a win. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if it's NATO. Uh, like nature doesn't even care, just plays the nonchalant thing. Like, hey, dude, this guy's a loser. Yep, it and wouldn't then surprise gets, like, me if it's up or something, you know. Yep, but man, I am gonna hold my breath the entire time he's in the ring with Kenny Omega. I promise you that. Um, as far as matches go, I absolutely enjoyed Sonata versus Tamatonga, but of course, they're doing this whole firing squad gimmick, so you're getting interference in just about every match, which kind of it gets old after a while. Sonata basically outsmarted Tama Tonga and the Tongans here. I, I was here. gonna say, I think they're overdoing it. They're, t- they're doing too much Western shit here in the G1. Very much agreed. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. ties Toru Yano into knots, which of course for me might have been the match of the year. I very much enjoyed that. But as far as the match goes, meh. Unless you really like Zack Sabre Jr. or Toru Yano, you can skip that one. Ibushi and Robinson I thought was a very good match. If you just like watching two baby faces wrestle to see which one is better? NATO and Ishii was freaking fantastic. I loved that match, dude. Dude, I got I got to step in here real quick, dude. I, there there is a little league baseball team just watching to have dinner. Oh my god! Uh, it, no, no, no. These guys are great, man. I'm, I just passed over a note to someone here to ask if that's actually it's on their jerseys. I said, "Is this the team name?" The team name is the talent has arrived. Fantastic. That sounds like it should be on a Dolph Ziggler t-shirt. Oh, could you imagine DZ would be selling him and him and McIntyre. The talent has arrived. Yep. 
That's that just screams a Dolph Ziggler t-shirt. They literally to me. just walked in here like twelve deep. It's the whole team, and I just kind of sent a message to everyone like, "Is that really the team name?" Like, yep, the talent has arrived. Tremendous. We've got we've got right we've got one right here at Cedar Point. It's kind of like a rival. I always say it's a rival, but it's it's like an upstart hoping to be like the Disney Sports co- Complex, where you know you got all these teams just ascend to it for these great tournaments. It does pretty cool, but the talent has arrived. I like that. I like that. I, I'm sorry, buddy. I, I just saw that. That was freaking great. What did you think of Ishii and NATO? That is what it is, man. I, 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 I caught the highlights there. And I, great that NATO went over there. Uh, one of his friends of Ishii. What? This was like one of those like flip a coin matches in this thing, right? Well, in their last five, evidently, NATO was three and two against Ishii coming into this in their last five right. matches. So it's not like it would have been a big surprise if Ishii would have got the win here. This thing was just physical. This was very much a Tomohiro Ishii match that NATO just happened to win. Well, I always, I, I like a little things where like NATO like didn't really care about a lot of things, but when he had to fight, he fought. And then we have Kenny Omega defeating Hiroki Goto via the one-winged angel. No big surprises there. Right, but no story. The big story here, Kenny Omega wants a shot at the never-open-weight title. No, he's not entitled to one, right? Well, he pinned Hiroki Goto, who is the never-open-weight champion. So any, so any champ that gets pinned, you have to defend against, right? Well, you don't necessarily have to, but Kenny Omega okay. wants... The never open weight championship. And the reason he wants the never open weight championship, that's the only title he hasn't held in New Japan. The only singles title he hasn't held is the never open weight championship. So even though he is the IWGP world heavyweight champion, he wants a shot at Hiroki Goto's useless ass never open weight title just because he's never held it. Wait, let's, we could go a couple ways here. You know, they do have a lot of championships. Maybe he can merge them. There is that. I also feel like Kenny Omega even addressing the Never Open Weight Championship and saying that he wants it adds prestige to the Never Open Weight title. Because the Never Open Weight title, it's just, it's changed hands so many times that it's convoluted. It's it's the title that you give to somebody just so that they have a title. Kenny well, Omega like, even paying it the respect of saying, I want that title because that's the one title I've never had. That even adds prestige to that title. Well, at this you know, point. it almost goes back to like, you know, like, hey, you're a, you're a great Patriots fan. You, you love Tom Brady and all that. You know, he could win a, he could win a Super Bowl. He wants a Super Bowl. I mean, he is an AFC champion, but you always even want your own. To, he wants to be an AFC East champion. Yep. You want to ha- you want to have all those together. I think that's pretty cool, you know. Th- and that actually adds to what you're talking about. He wants to bring things full circle. Like I'm going to represent everything. I want to make sure that people know this thing means something. I'm going after it. I like that. It, it was a one of those nice little details, you know, like things that I nitpick. New Japan gives me those things. Well, you know, like security and all that, you know. Well, let's not talk about security when it comes to the G1. You know, you know, one thing I love about like little subtle things like New Japan is something so simple. But even after a big match when someone's hurting, like they have doctors attend to everybody. Like you need an ice packer. Like, come on, let me help you because you just went through hell. Everyone gets on. I'm like, oh, they just this isn't fair. Like, oh, they're spot monkeys. They do all these weird spots. At least when they're done, they have like trainers come check on people. 
It isn't like you just get up and walk out on your own. Yeah, there's ice packs immediately on both guys, and it's right. just you know, but the but presentation. Hey, hey, nitpicking. Yeah, I'm just nitpicking. My my spot of the week thus far, I popped so freaking hard watching one of the undercard tag matches off of this show. Minoru Suzuki comes walking out. You know how they always have the young lion standing there directing the traffic. Suzuki comes walking out and kicks that motherfucker right square in the chest. Just sends him flying. Dude, what a dick. Dude. You, you, you gotta love it. You gotta Fantastic. Love it. I love it. So your current standings. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like last week Ben comes on with us and he's immediately called us morons and idiots. <laughs> Oh, it's great. Love it. Your current standings through two rounds. The A block, you have Switchblade, Jay White, Michael Elgin, Togi Makabe on top with four points. Bad luck. Makabe, a little surprising up there right now. Yep, yep. Bad luck, Fale, Tanahashi, Hangman Page with two points. And then we have a couple more surprises with Okada and Suzuki bringing up the rear with Yoshihashi at zero points. I don't think there are huge surprises there with uh, Suzuki and Okada. We all kind of saw that coming. And I, I want to throw it over to Ajax, man. He, no, because it's Suzuki doesn't need any points. It's about surviving him. It's not beating him. It's about surviving him. And we all thought the Okada situation, which would be interesting to see, correct me if I'm wrong here, where Okada goes here. I could see him losing his next one, but how he turns that corner. Looking forward to seeing what Okada's got in store here. Who, who's his next match, you know? Um, I actually don't off the top of my head, but I will look now because I am incredibly curious. Well, all right, so while you're looking there real quick, I want to talk about the top of this thing. You know, really that sticks out to me is you, you got uh, Maccabi in my center, right? Am I right there, Maccabi? I'm sorry? Maccabi, am I pronouncing that right? Makabe, yep. Makabe or Maccabi? Either or, man. I've heard it pronounced both ways. I've heard Togi Makabe, and I've heard to- Togi Makabe. You know what? Makabe sounds better because Makabe sounds like someone that's running for government up in New Jersey. Oh, hilarious. He sounds like he's trying to get someone like Bello and Jersey Mike to vote for up there. Hey, you know? But, you know, hey, Elgin out, out to an early start here. That's a little surprising, but I don't think, you know, Switchblade, man, this guy's going to run through this thing. If you remember, he is my pick to win this A block. Not to win the thing, but to emerge from this thing. I would love to see these things. Like maybe we, you know, maybe we get track back on and really break down the midway how this thing can play out. Because I love talking to you guys about this. You know, I kind of bring that outside where you guys are. You guys know this stuff to really do like a brat bracketology here. I think that would be a great show. This is going to be an interesting one, Rick. The answer to your question is Hangman Page. Oh, interesting. This will be an interesting matchup for Okada. Dude, that is... All right, so I'm going to throw it to you, man. What do you think? Hmm. Let's see. Hangman, one and one, two points. Well, I'm trying to think. In order for Okada to still be relevant at the end of this thing, he can maybe lose one more match. Do you want to go ahead and blow that at the top of the tournament? Or do you want him to blow that towards the end of the tournament against somebody like a Tanahashi? Well, we are getting more Western booking. Could you see maybe a firing squad OG? I, I don't know how you, because I mean, even 
because even if you're in a war with yourself, man, brothers are brothers. Would you help a chaos member beat a freaking bullet club member? I don't think so. I mean, I, I know you you got your things over there with your boys, whatever you're doing there, but I'm not gonna screw you. But but if you went over to the uh, hashtag FWZ, yeah, I'm gonna hit you in the back with a chair. There is that. <laughs> you know, there is that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because oh, I, 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 I know I know the uh, the tracks and I you know they're 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 brothers with the hucks. We, you know, if we can argue amongst ourselves, but if you go somewhere else, man, you might get shanked. This morning's matches, for those of you who were listening on a little bit of a delay here, you can go to NJPW World now, tune in and see. Michael Elgin takes on Switchblade Jay White, Yoshihashi versus Minoru Suzuki. Well, we still got some B block, right? Well, we'll talk about the B block here, but the A block matches are the ones that are up right now that we're not talking about. Uh, Togi Makabe takes on Evil, Tanahashi and Fale, Okada and Hangman Page. Those are the matches for Friday morning's show. Hey, I'm just excited about G1, man. This this is a great time of year. You know, I've been sitting there talking to a bunch of people. I feel blessed, you know, that, you know, all the platforms we're on, everything, you know, people, they recognize me in where I live at, you know, people are, I got people I don't even know sending me messages, you know, asking questions here. It's hard to watch WWE right now. And, and I have to cover it a couple times a week, but just, this is something that's like fun and that people should realize there's so much great wrestling out there. Yeah. I know it's a little different than you're used to, but open your eyes and, and get involved in this thing. Absolutely agree. Let's talk about the B block a little bit. Let's take a look at the standings here. Kenny Omega on top with four points, followed by his tag team partner, Kota Ibushi, with four points. No surprises there that these two are leading the way. Of course, they face off the final night of the G1, and it very well could be for the B block championship. Uh, Kenny Omega trying to do something that has never been done, Rick. And that would be three G1 finals in a row. Hiroki Goto with two points. Tama Tonga with two points. Tomohiro Ishii with two points. Sonata with two points. Tetsuya Naito with two points. Zack Sabre Jr. with two points. And then bringing up the rear, we have your IWGP United States champion, Juice Robinson and the bastard Toru Yano. You know, here, you know, Yano... He's out the window. We're not going to irritate you anymore, Yargo. But, man, I am actually surprised that Juice is sitting here with zero right now. Yeah, me too. But me you know too. what, though? Actually, as I say this, should we really be that surprised? You know, he had that great outing last year. He's on fire right now. This is kind of like, this is how they do things, right? Yeah, but the other thing that's kind of cool here is Juice is working with a broken hand. So that's kind of a fail safe when it comes to the booking the other thing that this does is every time he loses a match of course that's lining up a challenger for the iwgp united states championship at which time juice robinson will not be working with a broken hand so you can tell a completely different story so i do enjoy that aspect of juice's booking at this point well i could even say like let's say he gets blanked on this thing they could be like hey you're the american with the u.s championship and you got all these people lined up to take him on. Yeah. You know, that, that could be kind of fun. That could be a fun story. Uh, the other, other ones here sitting here, you know, Sonata, he got that big win. Uh, I'm interested to see where he's going here throughout the rest of this thing. Um, ZSG, 
I, I think he, he's coming down a little bit. He's going to be in the middle of this pack. I think so as well. I think he's going to dominate just about every match, but he's only going to go about 50-50 in the booking. Yeah, and he, knew he had a great part of the first year. Though. This isn't his time. This is where he goes out and shows what he can do, but not his time. You know, the, the other big one is you got Ibushi and Omega. Obviously, they're, they're making a run for the finish line, but Tonga sitting there is going to be lingering on everyone's minds. Saturday, that's the big match. Saturday, Tama Tonga takes on Kenny Omega in the G1. That's the big one. Do you think Tama Tonga takes the win? I, you know what? I don't even want to spoil it. You know what? You would be fun, brother. Let's let's watch that thing together and do a play by play. Ooh, that could be a that could be a fun experiment. Just, just like a fun experiment to see where we're at here on what we do. That could be fun. Let's just try that one. We'll sit and watch it together. We'll time it up where we can do play-by-play. Your next update for the G1 will be coming your way this Monday in the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com. We will have all of your results from over the weekend. It's going to be a very busy weekend. Huckleberry, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about on this week's show? We we got bikes rolling in here. The people are rolling in. I'm just thankful you know I'm here at Harbor House Bar and Grill, of course, again, Lake Erie, Northern Ohio, Euron, Ohio. If anyone's out there listening to us, man, stop up. Hey, if you come up here, I guarantee if you stop into any bar here, this isn't even a promo code. You say you know me, they might, they, they're, they're going to give you something. <laughs> Probably a good swift kick in the balls. I, I like the sauce. Hey, if you talk to most of the girls, they might give you something too, but it's going to burn for days. So that'll wrap things up for season two, episode 29 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Um, Rick, I didn't even bother writing a close because yeah, well, let's just I slept in. Drop, drop the spots off the top of your head. I'll drop my plugs. Visit our friends over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Find me and Rick in the locker room this Monday over at hackerhameen.podbean.com, Hameen Media. You can find me this Wednesday on this is NXT over at One Wrestling Video on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at NotJargo. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Shoot us an email, hittingthemarks at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at hittingthemarks. Rick, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? They don't want to find it. Don't worry about this right now, because all you need to know is Huckleberry Cub ain't nothing to fuck with. Tiger Sound. Tremendous. Now it's going to wrap things up for the show. For now, we're off like a progress. See ya!
happy slow to bust it Niggas are sleepy hollow In fact, I'm a hard act to follow I dealt for dolo Bogart coming on through Niggas is like, oh my god, not you Yes, I come to get a slice of the punk in the pot Rather do than die Check my flavor Coming from the visa with the show for the razor Who make me reminisce true like deja Who? I'm rubber Niggas, it's like glue Whatever you say, bro, talk me Stakes for you Boy, it ain't safe no more. Peace.